Well, good morning to each and every one of you this morning, and I'm so glad that you are all here this morning. Please turn with me in our hymnal to number 549, and we'll sing the doxology. Number 549. Worship is hymn number 677. Shout to the Lord, O earth, work for the Lord with gladness, and enter his presence with singing. Understand that the Lord is good. We are his, for he made us, his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with confession, his courtyards with praise. Confess him and honor his name. The Lord is good, his kindness endures. His faithfulness never ends. Amen. Our first hymn this morning is number 205, I Love to Tell the Story. 205, I Love to Tell the Story.
Amen. Let us go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Our gracious God, we are so thankful that we have set aside time in our day to come and worship you. And Lord, we are doing that right now. We come before you with the needs and requests that we have. And Lord, you remind us again and again that no need is too small, no need is too big. And God, we come before you with those needs. We pray for our friends, family members. We pray for the patients throughout this medical center, the staff that is working here today, the family members that will be visiting. Lord, we lift them up to you in prayer. And God, we ask that you would hear our prayers as you promise faithfully that you always do. Help us, God, to understand your will as we pray. Because many times, God, the prayers that go unanswered is your will in our lives. Help us to understand that and have the patience as we wait for your answers that you provide to us. God, we think of the other needs that are in this city, in this state, in this nation, the needs around the world. Lord, we call to mind things that you want us to pray for, people that we have met this week, perhaps things that we have seen in the media. Lord, we lift those things up to you and the current concerns that we have for the greater world in which we are part of. And God, as we come to worship, you have reminded us again and again how you always want us to be thankful and have an attitude in which we express that wonderful blessings that you've given us. And one of those blessings, Lord, is the way that you taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for praying with me this morning. Our next hymn this morning is number 382, Be Still My Soul. 382, Be Still My Soul.
scripture reading this morning is found in the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, beginning with verse 8. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him we approach God with freedom and confidence. Amen. Let us pray. Our gracious God, we are so thankful for the spirit of unity that you have given us here this morning as we are worshiping you. Because, God, you remind us that where two or three are gathered in your name, that you are present, that you are in our midst right now. And, Lord, I would ask that you would just continue that presence and help me to say the things that we all need to hear so that we can draw closer to you. Help me now, I pray, in Christ's name. Amen. Well, today is Father's Day, and I want to say Happy Father's Day to the fathers of the past, the fathers of the present, and the fathers of the future. In fact, earlier this week, a couple of days ago, I posted on social media a remembrance of my father and my father passed away 42 years ago on June the 15th 1975 and on that particular year it was Father's Day so my father actually went to be with the Lord on Father's Day in 1975 and I continued on my social media post that to you dad I give you a toast and I said to him in Polish, cheers, happy days, and uh, I got some interesting responses back from people. My brother, uh, who saw the post on social media, he responded back in Polish, I miss him too, and then of course I responded back in Polish, yes, I do as well. So as we honor our fathers of the past, I think all of us would share a toast and remember our fathers. I know that my father was imperfect, but yet he was still my dad, and regardless of those imperfections, I still love him. And in the same way, as a father and as a grandfather, I know that I am imperfect. I hope my children and my grandchildren realize that, but even through those imperfections that I have, I love them very much, and I do my best to express that love. And I think all of us share the same sentiments and feelings about those relationships. This morning I want to continue on on where we started last week where we talked about 
in terms of leadership, having competence, confidence, and then we would have decisive decision-making. And it's a cycle. It's, a, it's an engine that continues to drive the principles in which we live in terms of how we lead our lives. Last week we talked about competence and we understood what it meant to have competence in Christ and having that belief system in which it is central for you and I as followers of Jesus Christ to have that understanding in that competence. Because if we did not have that competence in what we believed in, then we could not be confident and show confidence in our daily lives. And consequently, because we would not have that confidence that our decision-making process, the decisiveness in which we follow God's will would be an error, that it would be lacking. And it all comes back once again to having confidence in what we believe in, in Christ. So as we go forward today and we talk about the confidence that we have in Christ, do you have that confidence? Are you walking in confidence in Christ? And remember, it goes back to the confidence that we have in Christ, the understanding and the knowledge that we have in Christ, the guidance that God gives us through the presence of his spirit in our lives, through that confidence. So do we have that confidence? Do we have that confidence in being a follower of Jesus Christ? Because if we don't, then truly we're not exemplifying the truth that God wants us to live by. This morning I was thinking about the whole idea of truth and what it means for you and I to have confidence in our relationship with God. And we have to have that truth. We have to have an understanding of what that truth represents. And for something to be truth, it has to stand by itself. It has to stand alone. The meaning of what I'm trying to express here is that there is only one ultimate truth in the universe. We can't have many truths that mean the same thing because it would not be truth. Truth means that there is only one answer. Let me say that again. Truth means that you have an answer, the one and only answer. You cannot have multiple answers to the same question because it is not truth. Does that make sense? So we have to have and understand the ultimate answer of truth in our lives. And for us as followers of Jesus Christ, that ultimate answer is in the truth that is represented of what Christ did for us in terms of his life, in terms of his death, in terms of his burial, in terms of his resurrection, and in terms of his ascension. And that is the ultimate truth that we need to believe in that we need to hold on to. Now, are there other systems of belief that might parallel some of the goodness of the representation of Jesus Christ in the ultimate truth in which we believe in? And I would say yes. 
that there are a lot of similarities to a variety of different truths. But there is only one ultimate truth. And in that truth, you and I should have the confidence resting on that ultimate truth. Because then we can go forward in our lives, understanding the confidence that we have in Christ, the truth that it represents, and with confidence, because of that truth, make those decisive decisions that we need to make as a follower of Jesus Christ with a desire to follow God's will for our lives, regardless of where we are in life, regardless of the different things that we have gone through, that ultimate truth exists. And we show and we demonstrate that truth in the confidence that we show to one another in the love of what we believe in, the love of the ultimate truth that we have. Because we see in the ultimate truth of Jesus Christ that it is the ultimate example of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whomsoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That ultimate love is seen in that ultimate truth. And you and I are to demonstrate that love to each other to have that confidence. Now sometimes that love is demonstrated in what is called tough love. I know every once in a while I find myself in situations where it is easier for me to say yes, but I know that that's not the right decision, that I have to say no sometimes because I love that person. And giving in to what a person desires many times is not the answer. It's not the love that they need to have at that particular time. So love is one of those things where you have to say no, as well as sometimes you have to say yes. Because if you're doing it in the whole understanding that you love that person, or that you love certain people, you do so because you have that ultimate truth of what is represented in your life and in my life. And we make the best decision possible. And I hope it is the right decision. But once again, if we're following the track of what we believe in, confidence in Christ, to the confidence that we have in the ultimate truth in Christ, and then the decisive making decision process that we need to have as we go through life as we lead other people, and we all are leaders. You and I exhibit leadership everywhere we are at. It's not just in a leadership position or in some kind of hierarchical structure. You and I lead people wherever we are at. We lead people in the interactions that we have with them on a daily basis. We provide for them the leadership of what we believe in, in Christ. We provide encouragement. We provide a sense of acceptance by the way in which we interact with each other and the way that we handle problems together as followers of Jesus Christ. And in that decision-making process, making those decisive decisions, many times... It's not big decisions. 
but it is in the little decisions that we make with each other to give that encouragement, to give that smile, to give that handshake, to ask the question, how are you doing today? And not in a sense that you just do it because, quote-unquote, you have to do it or you have to say it. You do it because you truly are concerned about that other person. That is where you are exhibiting the leadership that God wants you to show and demonstrate because of the confidence that you have, because of the confidence that you have. And in doing so, you show truly the ultimate truth and the ultimate love that God has given you in your life, and you transcend that and you show it and demonstrate it to other people and how we understand that relationship. So it's important in our walk with God as we exhibit that confidence that we know and we understand what the whole idea of love is. And we need to make that principle very clear. And understanding what the world says love is and what God says love is. And there is a difference. There is a difference in between what the world says it needs, what love is, and what God says the world needs, what love is. And it goes back to that whole principle of understanding the confidence that we have in Christ and experiencing that confidence. So if you have never come to know Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior, no matter what I am saying to you today, will not make any sense to you because you don't have the beginnings of having that confidence in Christ. And if you do not have that beginnings, if you have not experienced that ultimate love, you cannot have the confidence in Christ's teachings in your life. And consequently, your decision-making process will be failing and it will be an error and you will make some pretty poor decisions and end up living with those poor decisions because, right, you didn't have the competence, you didn't have the confidence, and so therefore the choices that you're making will do more harm to you than good because they are not assured with the foundation of the competence that we have in Jesus Christ. Because God wants us to walk daily in that confidence. And it is in that confidence that you and I have a freedom, a freedom that is unimaginable in terms of the potential that God wants us to live. The freedom to do the right thing. The freedom to make the right decisions as best as we possibly can with the help of God. But you and I can only express that freedom when we truly have the confidence that we need to have. The confidence that rests in us understanding and knowing the ultimate truth as we acknowledge our relationship with God. That Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And it is in that freedom that you and I see the transforming work of love, once again, that ultimate truth, that ultimate love that is going on in our lives. And that transformation is an ongoing process because it is a work of love. It is a work of love. It is an ongoing process. So when you and I know that 
the transformation process of the relationship that we have in Jesus Christ is a work of love. So when we interact with other people that many times might frustrate us, that may annoy us, we have to remember as the work of the love of God is working in our life and in my life. And in the same way, the love of God and that work of love is working in their life. And you and I have a responsibility to help others work on that work of love that is an ongoing process with God. Because you and I know that we are a work in progress, are we not? Our relationship with God is not perfect. It is a work in progress. And so the other people that are around us, the people that we come in contact with, they too are a work in progress in terms of understanding and growing in God's love. And you and I have an opportunity, and I would go on to say to you, a responsibility to continue that work of love in others as God continues the work of love in our own personal lives. Someone asked me the other day in, in terms of what I do, in terms of providing pastoral care and being a chaplain, when I counsel with other people, they specifically asked a question about judgment versus compassion. And without hesitation, I said to them, I still have judgment, but my compassion meter has increased. My compassion meter has increased as I interact with other people. I still have judgment. I still have a decision-making process that goes on. But yet I know that within that decision-making process, I have seen through the circumstances that have taken place in my life, through the circumstances of the lives of others, that my compassion level has increased when I'm working with people. And I think that is something where God is transforming in me his ongoing process of the work of love that he has for me. And once again, that work of love goes back to the ultimate truth of what we believe in in terms of what God did for us through his son, Jesus Christ. And we become a visible expression of that love. We become, in our confidence, a visual expression of what God means to us. Because our lives will reveal the condition of our hearts. The Bible says that. I'm just repeating it in a paraphrased form. But the Bible says that our lives will reflect what is in our hearts. So when my heart is not in the right connection with God, it will reflect my actions will reflect a heart that is not connected with God. And it happens. I do it on a regular basis. I'd like to say to you that my heart is always perfect and that everything comes out of my mouth and all of my thoughts are always the right thing and they're always pure, but that is not true. My heart struggles every day to deal with the ultimate truth of love that God has for me. But in the same way, there is a realization of understanding that, that there are times when our hearts are not reflective of that love. And so consequently, our actions, right, are going to exhibit the fact that our heart is not in the right place. 
But God reminds us again and again to always bring us back to the place where he wants us to be, representing that ultimate truth, the visible expression of God's love for each and every one of us. Because in doing so, we truly express the power of God in our lives. And as we are going forward with that confidence, understanding that freedom and integrating that freedom into our lives, expressing that love towards each other, we also see that we continue to walk in a direction that represents that ultimate truth. That we see it happen every day. We see it happen as we struggle through every day. We see and we understand the importance of having that truth in our lives, the truth of God's love. Because in that confidence that we have, you and I can have the confidence to deal with those challenges, to deal with those struggles on a daily basis. It's not that we want to have those struggles. It's not that we're out there looking for those struggles, but we know that they are going to happen. So how do we deal with them? How do we prepare? How do we follow through making those right decisions when those things happen? And we do so by exhibiting the confidence of what we believe in, the ultimate truth of God's love. And how we recognize it is demonstrated by the actions of our lives, but also by the decisive decision-making that we make. We reveal the confidence that we have in that truth and the importance of that truth. Jesus reminds us again and again that he comes to the world to testify to the truth, the ultimate truth of Jesus Christ. And as we see that ultimate truth, we understand that the Spirit of God that is in our lives will guide us will provide us that understanding that we need to have. So when our hearts are not in the right place, when our lives are reflecting the condition of the heart that is opposed to the ultimate truth and opposed to the things of God, the Spirit of God reminds us of the condition of our hearts to make us better. The Spirit of God is there in your life and my life not to put us on some kind of guilt trip, but to remind us of the condition of our hearts. And is our actions correct? Is our hearts in the right place? Are we exhibiting those things that truly reflect what we believe in as followers of Jesus Christ? And it is that spirit that gives us the ultimate truth where we make those decisions based on what we feel the will of God is for our lives. And it comes when we worship Him. It comes when we study His Word. It comes when we pray to Him. Because it is in those times that you and I seek the power of God to make the best decision that we possibly can. So we have to have that confidence that God wants us to have. And it is in that confidence that you and I have a pathway of freedom. The freedom to make the decisions that God wants us to make that are the best for us. What a wonderful way to live. What a wonderful way to live your life and my life. What a wonderful way to be a representative and being a follower of Jesus Christ by showing others the pathway of freedom that God has for each and every one of us. And we see that pathway 
we see the truth that truly sets us free in the confidence that we have because we have experienced and we understand the confidence that we have in Christ. And we see that and we understand that and when we make the decisions that we need, that we need to make, we make the best decision possible that we can. We do so under God's guidance and then we see as we make those decisions that the life that God has for us is something very special. It's something very unique for each and every one of us. We truly see that we are created by God. We truly begin to understand that you and I are reflective of being the image of God. And that goes back to the beginning of the creation of all of us. And we rest in confidence. We rest in reassurance. We have that peace in our lives that we long for because we know that as we have that confidence in Christ, we also have that freedom that represents the pathway of truth as we go forward in each, in each day of our lives, that we have nothing to fear. We have nothing to be afraid of. Because our future, our future has already been taken care of. Our future has already been decided upon. Our future is one in which you and I will be with God, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in the presence of God for eternity. And I believe that our presence with God when we get to heaven, that that will also be an ongoing experience. That God will keep us continuing to be learning more and more about what it is to truly represent God and to be a follower of His Son, Jesus Christ. So it is my hope and prayer that as we finish this day, as we begin this week, that we have the confidence that God wants us to have, that we have the confidence that God wants us to have, and that we have the decision-making process that God wants us to have so we can follow His will and that we can be on His path more and more each day as we take each step for Him. Amen. Let us partake together of communion together as we represent collectively a body of believers in Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this time of communion that we can have. And Lord, what a blessing it is that you have reminded us again that as we demonstrate that ultimate truth, and God, we do that by taking communion publicly, we represent what Christ has done for us. And God, I would ask that as we represent that truth, that we show and demonstrate through your grace that that's where the worthiness comes from. And that does not come from something that we have done, but it comes from what Christ did for us on the cross. And God, we thank you for that grace. We thank you that you forgive us of our sins and that your desire is always to be one with you. We praise you, God, for this. In Christ's name.
Amen. receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us partake together. Our closing hymn this morning is number 414, Softly and Tenderly. Thank you. 
God, we are so thankful that you have reminded us on our pathway to leadership to have confidence in you, to exhibit the confidence that you want us to have, and Lord, to lead others so they too can understand the confidence that we have as being followers of your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us, God, to do that. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for coming. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.